0: guys a big hand. You guys did a great job. Give your neighbor a high five and you may be seated. Hey, I tell you what, if you've got teenagers, uh, if you've got college age, great things are happening in Powerhouse. Wednesday night is a is youth service and Thursday nights a college age service. And I want to tell you what, those kids are on fire for God. And uh, if you've got kids or know somebody with kids or just meet some kid on the street, say, hey, come to Church on the Rock and find information on our, on our webpage. We'll go ahead and dismiss the Connect class. With, uh, there we go, in the back there, Jerry and his wife are teaching that. That's designed for new people in the church wanting to get connected, get involved, learn a little more about us, and find your way. They're dismissed right now to our cafe. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I started a new series several weeks ago, call, weeks ago called The New You. Can you say The New You? Well, let me know if there's a new you, then there's got to be... Yeah, and that's not just you know, something you do in January when you want to go back to the gym or change your diet a little bit. That is a very spiritual uh, dynamic about our life, that Christ turns us from an old person into a new person. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the, the theme of our series has been this verse, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, now how many know not everyone belongs to Christ? You were not born, when you were born in the hospital or at home, you were not born in Christ. But you gave your life to Christ when you believed in Him as your Savior. You became a Christian. When you belong to Christ, the Bible said you are a new person. You, when you believe in Him, He recreates you. You're born again. You're saved. You're changed on the inside. And notice what it said. The old life is gone. The what? New life has begun. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And I've been using a graphic of a a frog looking in a mirror and seeing himself as a prince with a crown. And that's kind of the sense that Christ gives me a new identity. He also gives me the power to change. And as last week we talked about, the new you is different. Different from the world. This morning I want to continue the series and talk about the new you. And the new you treats people right. Now how many know you can either treat people wrong or you can treat them right? See, this is your family, it's your school, it's your work life, it's everything about you. You can treat them wrong, or you can treat them right. Take a picture of something that Hollywood did, a really good movie called The Blind Side. I bet you've seen it, and it's about how to treat people in the right way. It's a brave kid. For wanting to come here. For wanting a quality education. An education denied him by the poor quality of schools he's attended. I tell you, most kids with his background wouldn't come within 200 miles of this place. Coach Cotton, we understand your interest in this young man's athletic abilities. Well, he wouldn't be able to play sports until he got his grades up anyway. Forget sports. Look at the wall. Christian, we either take that seriously or we paint over it. You don't admit Michael Orr because of sports. You admit him because it's the right thing to do. What is he wearing? It's freezing. What's his name again? Big Mike. Where is he going? Hey, Big Mike. Where you headed? Jim. Go ahead. Mike, hey, my name's Leanne Toohey, my kids go to Wingate. You said you were going to the gym? School gym's closed. Why were you going to the gym? Big Mike, why were you going to the gym? Because it, it's warm. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Don't you dare lie to me. That look many times she's about to get her way. Come on. Come on. SJ make room. Get inside. Come on. Where are we going? Oh. So over here you have a desk, chest of drawers, you have a nightstand, a light, an alarm. Oh, and Sean says all the pro athletes use futons if they can't find a bed big enough, so I got you one of those. Of course, the frame was heinous. It's not about to let that in my house, but I got you something nicer. It's mine? Yes, sir. What? Never had one before. What, a room to yourself? I bet. Well, you have one now. Tell your neighbor you have one now. You gotta look quiet out there. I'm not telling you to pick up somebody off the street after church now. But what I am telling you is that we treat people differently as Christians. And for some of us, there may be someone that we pick up. But treating people right is not just someone we don't know. How many know it starts in our family? Come on, it starts with your wife, your kids. It starts in your workplace, the way you relate to people that work for you or the way that you relate to your boss, your your people that work with you. It relates to the way we relate to strangers. When a tragedy happens in a nation of Haiti months ago, come on, it relates to to, to people that we may meet. It relates to how we treat people in a restaurant when we just go up to pick up our food. How many know there's a right way to treat people and a wrong way to treat people? And how many know the old you treats people in the wrong way, but the new you treats people the you got it already. We can dismiss and go eat. But it's probably not ready, so give me a little bit longer. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. It's speaking to a group of bunch of people, Christians, that are called to live differently, to live like the new you. And he begins by saying in verse 9, don't lie to each other. And I want you to notice the language. This is the New Living Translation. You have stripped off your old sinful nature. You stripped off your old nature and its wicked deeds. In verse 10, put on the new nature. So you're taking something off and taking something on. There's something about the old you you take off, and how many know if the Bible says to do it, how many know then we have the power through God to do it? Take off the old nature, put on the new, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. So the key to your becoming different is learning the ways of God, being transformed by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit, saying yes to Him, and He changes us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be holy, the word holy doesn't mean that you wear fancy robes or clothes. It simply means that you're set apart to God. So rather than being holy to the world or holy to yourself, you're holy or set apart to God. Um, God chose you to be the holy people He loves. You must clothe yourselves with these things. In other words, you're to put on these new things. You're to put on tender-hearted mercy. You're to be kind. And these are all ways that we treat people. You're to be humble as opposed to being proud. You're to be gentle. You're to be patient. In verse 13, you're to make allowance for each other's faults, which simply means we recognize that people make mistakes just like I do. I don't kick them out. I don't throw them out. I don't get rid of them. I don't throw them away because they make a mistake, but I, I, I walk with them in love. Notice what it says, you must forgive anyone who offends you. I'm amazing how many people I know that go to church on Sunday but are still mad at what someone did to them five years, ten years, twenty years ago. You're carrying an offense. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must... Now notice the language again. Above all, which is most importantly, clothe yourselves with what? Which love which binds us together in perfect harmony. So here's the picture in this passage, we all come into this world wearing old clothes. We lie, we take advantage of people, we're proud, we carry offenses, uh, we don't forgive people, uh, we behave in harmful and hurtful ways, we're not kind to each other, Uh, we're very selfish in our ways, and the Bible says that unless it's duck season or turkey season, you are to take off these old clothes and you're to put on new clothes, which means my old clothes, I was a liar, and my new clothes, the new me tells the truth. The old me behaved very gruffly to people. I was not kind at all, but the new me is kind. The new me is tender-hearted. The old me was not patient. The old me would lose my temper at a drop of a hat. The old me would fight. The old me would get angry. The old me would yell and scream and punish and hurt, but the new me is not like that. The new me is forgiving. The new me learns how to be patient how to put up with other people. The old me would throw people away when they mess up. The new me bears with people's faults. How many you know what I've just described to you is how we are supposed to treat people? We're supposed to take off, in the, the, the old us, we're supposed to take off the old you and put on the new you and treat people right. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, just a few ideas. Listen, the Bible is filled with dozens and dozens of ways that we treat people right. But I'm going to deal with three this morning. We're going to look at a passage of Jesus contrasting him to the Pharisees about how he treated a woman that was caught in the act of adultery and how they both treated her differently. And we're going to look at three words this morning that helps us in our relationships. We're going to talk about treating people with honesty and truthfulness. We're going to talk about treating people with respect. And we're going to talk about treating people with compassion or kindness are acting merciful in our life. There's many we can look at, but these are three that we'll we'll talk about this morning. And again, this will work on the football team, it will work on the ball team, it will work at your workplace tomorrow, it works in the realm of politics, it works in the church, it works in the home. Okay, turn to your Bibles this morning, John chapter 8. Let's look at verse 1. As we see that Jesus teaches us by not only word but by example about how to treat people the right way. I mean, you know when somebody's treating you right, don't you? And you know when somebody's treating you wrong. You know when politicians are standing up talking about the way things should be and the way they really are. And how many know it gets offensive sometimes? It makes you want to just turn the TV off because I don't want you to just tell me what I want to hear or what the poll says you think I believe. I want you to be truthful with me. Okay, I thought I got a little more amen on that one, but they need some help in Washington, don't they? whether they're republicans or democrats by the way i mean you know, what we need is righteousness to turn to america return to america it is one nation not under come on independents democrats tea parties republicans we are one nation under god and that's where the lord commands his blessing roman or john chapter 8 verse 1 jesus is teaching at the temple so here's the scene there's likely several hundred people that are around him jesus is expounding and all of a sudden verse 3 the religious leaders and the pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and they said, "'Teacher,' they said to Jesus, "'this woman was caught in the act of adultery.'" Now, mind you, the way they addressed Jesus, it was a put-on sense of respect because they were not trying to honor or or, or ask Him a question to learn. They were trying to trap Him. Verse 5, the law of Moses says to stone her, "'But what do you say?' Now, the next verse is quite telling. They were trying to trap Him into saying something they could use against Him. And guess who was in the middle of the mess? A woman. A woman that had been caught in adultery. But Jesus stooped down and He wrote in the dust with His finger. Now, we don't know what He wrote. Some perhaps believe He wrote about the sins of the Pharisees. But nonetheless, verse 7, they kept demanding an answer and Jesus is playing in the dirt. But He stood up again and He said, Okay, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Or he who is without sin, you throw the first stone. And conviction began to come through the crowd. Verse 8, he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust, When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So now we've got several hundred people. We have these same several hundred people now shocked as the tide has turned, as they have watched the Pharisees' response and they watch Christ's response. Now look at verse 10. Jesus stood up again, and he said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Now, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, I want you to think of this scenario here. Let's contrast the Pharisees just a minute with Jesus. The Pharisees treated her wrong or poorly. Jesus treated her right. Now, the Pharisees were wrong because, number one, they were wanting to use her. They were people users. People were there to be stepped on. They were pawns. They were to be taken advantage of. How much work can I get out of you? With How much less money do I have to pay you? And, and how can I scheme to get around you? And what, what lie do I have to tell to get you the position ahead of you? And it's like using people. It's stepping on people. It's the ways of the world. It's pushy. It's bossy. They had no concern for this woman at all. They discriminated against her because where was the man? Last time I thought, didn't it take two to commit adultery? But there's no man here. We don't know why. We don't know if it was a good old boy thing, if they were buddies or whatever the case was, but the bottom line, they were using this woman. They were not treating her right. Jesus, on the other hand, was, listen, first of all, he had a standard, and he had this uncanny way to bring mercy and truth together. See, we live in a world today of political correctness that says nobody has the right to tell anybody when they're, when they're wrong. That's not your right. You're being judging. Not true. Jesus said, go your way and sin no more. So his purpose was to redeem her, was to restore her, was to get her back on track. Their purpose was just to punish her and get rid of her and use her as a teaching tool. So you see the difference between the two? Uh, it's, it's very, very different. It's very poignant. As you listen to the modern-day debate on immigration in America today, much of that reminds me of the Pharisees. Now, I don't know how what you think about it, but it doesn't seem to me like we bring together compassion and truth. It seems to me like people that are calling for... Uh, compassion in the sense that we have no laws, we have no rules, anybody does whatever they want to, it doesn't matter if ranchers are killed, it doesn't matter if, you know, the system is exploited, it doesn't matter who pays for it. It seems to me like somebody's just looking for votes. It seems to me like the pursuit of power, come on, trumps everything in our nation today. But there is a way, listen, and it's not a Democrat or Republican way, it's a righteous way, where you can have compassion for people that are in great need, but at the same time have standards and laws and work towards getting people on the right path. In America, we accomplish it today by rallies, by political uh, maneuvering, by lies, by so many different things, by pressure. But in the kingdom of God, come on, we expound the truth, and then we live by the truth. There is a right way and there is a wrong way to treat people. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle the problems in America. And sadly, most of our problems are being handled in the wrong way, and every one of us knows it's leading our nation towards some kind of cataclysmic bang. Something's going to happen, you know, when, America, uh, when, it, when it hits us. But there's three things that I want you to learn this morning with me in this passage we're going to look at. I want you to see about how we, the new you will treat people with honesty, respect, and with compassion. Can you say those three words? Honesty, respect, and compassion. Now, this all has some roots in Jesus' relationship with this woman, but some of it will particularly respect. We'll use it as a launching pad and, and go forward and generalize the principle. I want you to go in John chapter 4, and let me, let's begin with honesty first. The new you treats people with honesty. This has to do with the way that we communicate our feelings, our perceptions with people. Uh, it's our motivation. And again, Jesus had a remarkable way about being honest about the issues, but yet he protected the dignity of the individual. Now that's a challenge. He protected the dignity of the woman that was clearly in the wrong. Now you say, well, how do you know that? It's because these people were just attracted to Jesus. Jesus would go at what was called tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees, you know, were antagonistic towards them. They just said they're bad people. Jesus would go in with them. He'd have a meal with them. And before you know it, they're following him. A little guy named Zacchaeus is up in a tree, and he follows Christ. He goes to his house. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. He became an apostle, one of the apostles. He wrote one of the gospels. He was one of these bad people, and Jesus had a way of being able to connect with people but yet not approve of their lifestyle and turn them onto the right way. See, rather than being self-righteous and and condemning, he had a way to turn people, And, and part of this is rooted in this sense of honesty. And what I mean by that is Jesus told this woman, go and sin, no more. Can you say, sin no more? See, in political correctness, you can't tell people that something is wrong. They have a right to choose. Well, that's just not a loving way. Listen, if there is, if it's a foggy road and the bridge is out, and you know the bridge is out, anyone will want to protect people to keep them from driving in the ditch. If I'm asleep at night and my house is on fire, would to God you would come and wake me up, even if you're concerned about me getting angry when I'm awake. You want to save my life. And there's something about being honest with people. Jesus did it again in John four sixteen. Go get your husband. He's talking to the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman, the woman by the well. When Jesus said, uh, go get your husband and come back here, uh, the woman answered, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said, notice honesty and truth. You're right to say you don't have a husband. Really, you've had five husbands. And the man you live with now is not your husband. Isn't that pretty much in your face? you told the truth. What's happening? In just a few verses this woman is gonna go, Wow! Maybe you are the Savior. And she turned and she followed Christ and the whole village comes to Christ. So there's something about in our communications with people that we are honest but not to talk down to them. Usually when people are correcting, when they're telling the truth, when they're trying to get it across, usually it's, it's talking down to people. Usually it's in a punitive way. Usually it's in a self-righteous way, a judgmental way. Jesus had a way to come face to face, come on, as a human being, and show respect, but still tell people the truth. You know, it's hard sometimes to tell people the truth, isn't it? I had this happened to me just the other day. We we had have, have a meal on Wednesday night which it's great food, you know, but it's a way to connect with people, connect with friends. That's why we do it. And good food anyway. We had a salad, it was a spinach salad and uh, after the meal I went to my restroom uh, before I came to get ready for service and I, and I went to brush my teeth and I thought of oh, my teeth had this big old piece of green spinach on it. And it's like I it's so big I looked like I'd lost my tooth and I thought, "Huh, smiling preacher has been walking around the cafe all night with <laughs> <made> a spinach <laughs> on his suit and nobody said I bet you, Pastor, you got one there. Okay. Now, why do they? Why can't we be that honest? Sometimes you need to just go up to somebody, and say, "Hey, God bless you, brother. Love you, man. Here, take one of these." <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to be offensive. Well, they're already offensive. You're helping. Them. Hey, you. Me with good breath speaking to you with a bad breath. Here, need one. You're not talking down to somebody, come on, but you're helping people. Truth is what sets people free, isn't it? The Ephesians 4.15, 4, what's it say? We are to speak the truth. And that's where it brings it together. We're not just to speak the truth from our pulpits in life. We're to speak the truth in love if you care about somebody. It is a key in relationships that we're not doing it for selfish gain. We're not doing it for manipulative reasons, but we're doing it because it's the right thing to do, and it's the beginning of place of healing and freedom and corrective change in people's lives. Someone say, praise the Lord. So Jesus was honest, but here's another one. Uh, Is He The new you treats people with respect. I want you to think about this word respect just a moment. It's missing in our society. The word respect means to hold a person in in high regard. It has a cousin called honor. We'll talk about it in just a second. I will suggest to you that Jesus treated even this woman caught in the act of adultery with respect. Now, I can respect you without approving of what you're doing. Respect you based on the fact of just basic human dignity because you're a human being created in the image of God. A sinner, in trouble, messed up? Absolutely. But my respect causes me to give you honor as a human being. Perhaps uh, parts, portions of our world do this so well. If, you, if you're dying, if you're in the Catholic hospital in particular, if you're in a hospice care, we give people that are dying, most of the time in America, we give dignity around death. Now listen, if you've been around a person dying, it's very troubling, it's very difficult. I don't like to do it. There's a smell that's in the room. They can't communicate. It's often a gurgling sound. They can't control their bodily functions, and the natural part of you wants to just get away. But yet at the same time, people are going there that may not even know them, and they're dabbing with a cool rag on a person's hair. They're putting a little ice cube in their mouth just to dab of water. They're trying to make them comfortable. What are they doing? They're showing basic human respect. And that is one of the key criteria, well, we believe that abortion is wrong because that baby is created in the image of God and because it is a human being, it has respect. It's worth respect. It's, it has value to it. Now listen, in the case of this woman that Jesus called in, or that was brought before Jesus, he didn't agree with what she was doing. You don't have to agree with everything, with everything a person does to give them the basic respect of a human being. Now, most respect, though, and let me kind of... Take off on a not a tangent here, but in a little different direction. Most respect that we give is not to people who have failed. Most of the time, what Bible the Bible talks about respect and honor, it's talking about honoring people for what they have done, and for who they are, and for what they've accomplished, for their position in life. Now, let me talk about this just a second. This idea of honor, I went to and respect. I went to an awards banquet uh, Friday night. My wife and I with my son. He graduated from school, and he was invited to an awards banquet, and and he was recognized as the as uh, the outstanding business student of the year for the whole school. And of course, we were proud, you know, mom and dad pictures and all that kind of goes. But in the middle of the ceremony, the department chair. Said, I want to honor one last person before we go on, and she brought up who she introduced, I believe, as her mentor, the one that was instrumental, a teacher in starting the school of business there, and she had her stand. Well, when she came forwards, not only did people clap, but people, beginning with the teachers, stood up because they recognized what this woman had done, and they clapped for her as she came to receive her her tra- her, 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 her um uh, the plaque that they gave her. Respect. See for people's accomplishments, respect for people's stature, for their position in life, is an honorable thing that the Bible calls us to do. Respect is missing in our society. Policemen, men and women who put their lives on the line every day for our safety, are called pigs. Uh, Some people refer to their dad as my old man. We, We refer to soldiers sometimes who have gone to fight in the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan, and a politician will call them a baby killer to try to advance a political agenda. It's like we're missing something in our society today. Even the office of the president that used to, used to command respect. Listen, I don't agree with everything that our president does or stands for, but the office that he holds demands my respect. Are you with me this morning? See, respect used to be one of the foundational attributes that undergirded our society, but it is missing in modern America today. Basic human respect for accomplishments, for position, for what people have done beyond just the fact that, 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 that people have value as an individual. See? Uh, now, let me ask you the question. Who does the Bible teach us that we're to give honor to? Who do we show respect for in the Bible? Well, now clearly, we respect all people because they're created in the image of God, but we're to give special respect for age, for position, and for accomplishment. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 1. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him, say it again, respectfully. Never speak harshly to an older man. Yeah, but, yeah, but nothing. If you're a new you wearing new clothes, you don't speak harshly to an older person. That's why, listen, opening the door for a person that's older than you, uh, in my opinion, a man opening the door for a woman, you teach your children to open the door for an older person, that's not just a Boy Scout thing. That's a biblical thing. That is honoring age. I taught my children to say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. Oh, why did you do that? Those just kind of old school. Well, it may be old school, but it teaches respect for age. I, I, I'm not for all the new school things that are being taught. How about you? When you leave the truth, you end up in a ditch. There's a respect for age. Exodus 20:12. honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and mother, and the promise is for long life. Yeah, but you don't know, mama. I don't care about what they do or what they didn't do. It's not about you. You are a new you. And when you talk dirty about them, when you diss them, when you, you know, just kind of sass them and carry along, you're putting old clothes on yourself and you think you can kind of just take them off at will. That's not the way God wants us to be. Honor for our parents, honor for the elderly. Listen to Romans 13:7. Give respect and honor to those that are in authority. Yeah, but yeah, but nothing. You give respect and honor for people that are in authority. It's missing in our society. It is a part of the expression of the new you. Where it's the basic respect for human life whether it's the particular respect for age or accomplishment or position. Let me read you a little story. I've I've read through emails uh, numerous times over the past year. Not 100% certain if it's true, but it's a a good story, and it carries the impact of what I'm saying. Uh, A man's on an airplane flight. He said, I put my carry-on luggage in, in a compartment, and I sat down in my assigned seat. Just before takeoff, a line of soldiers came down the aisle and filled all the vacant seats totally surrounding me. After flying for about an hour, an announcement was made that sack lunches were available for $5. It would be several hours before we reached Chicago, and I quickly decided a lunch would help pass the time. As I reached for my wallet, I overheard a soldier ask his buddy if he planned to buy lunch. Nah, that seems like a lot of money just for a sack lunch. I'll I'll wait till we get to Chicago. I looked around the other soldiers, and none of them were buying lunch. So I walked to the back of the plane and handed the flight attendant a $50 bill. Take a lunch to all those soldiers. Now, why did he do that? Respect. He didn't know them. He had never seen them before, would probably never seen them again. But here were a group of men and women that were willingly put on their lives, listen, at risk, because they were endeavoring to uh, defend the United States of America. And they were worthy of respect. The flight attendant grabbed my arm and squeezed tightly. Her eyes were wet with tears. She thanked me. She said, my son was a soldier in Iraq, and it's almost like you're doing it for him. Now, why did she say that? Because she respected what he just did. See, it becomes kind of reciprocal, and it builds itself. Soon after I returned to my seat, I saw the flight captain coming down the aisle. When he got to my row, he stopped, smiled, held out his hand, and said, I want to shake your hand. Quickly unfastening my seatbelt, I stood and took his hand. Now, why did he stand? Respect. What was he respecting? The man in authority. The man that was, I don't know who was flying the plane at the time, but no. He was, he, he was the assistant, I guess. With a booming voice, he said, I was a soldier and a pilot once, and someone bought me a lunch. It was an act of kindness I never forgot. Well, I was embarrassed when applause was heard from all the passengers. Why were they applauding? respect. See, what he did was the right thing to do, and they said, we're proud of you, we're standing behind you. Later, ten young men that day left the flight feeling the love and respect of their fellow travelers. It's missing in America. The new you treats people honestly with truthfulness, and the new you treats people with respect, and it gives honor where honors do. Someone say praise the Lord. Let me look at this last one. The new you treats people with compassion. Now, the word compassion, it's some sister words, it's mercy, it's kindness, it's, uh, it, it, it's showing favor to people. Now, Jesus was compassionate to the woman in trouble, the woman that was thrown at his feet, but he did not treat her with condemnation. It's interesting in what he asked her. You remember the scenario when she's there at his feet and, 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 and the Pharisees are gone? He said, where are your accusers Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. So it just seemed like Jesus, though he disagreed with her sin, had compassion for what she, for her as a person because she'd gotten off track. It's a lesson for everyday life. I've got a couple little short videos I'm going to show you to kind of finish this. I believe it says more than a word. Take a peek. When we least expect it, grace enters our world. In that moment, we have a clearer understanding of Jesus Christ. Kindness costs us something sometimes. It cost him 10 minutes till the next bus came. But how many know it's the language of Christianity? It's the loudest sermon we preach, is the way that we live our life. And it's compassion and kindness. He probably likely didn't know the woman. He certainly had somewhere else he had to go, but there was a person in need. Now, if I could, if I could just impress on you this this morning how important it is to help people that are in need to show kindness and compassion. In Matthew 25, I want to leap forward to some day in the future when we're all standing before the throne of God. It's a literal day. It's a judgment day. The Bible says all of humanity is standing before Christ. He is the judge in Matthew chapter 25. And there's a process of dividing people going on. And it's very interesting what the, character, the criteria that he separated these people, some that would experience eternity in heaven and others that would be consigned in ju- on judgment day to hell. Look at verse 31. When the Son of Man, and that's Jesus, comes in his glory, and all the angels were with him, then he'll separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and goats at the left. Now, I don't know how he did this. I don't know if it was just those eyes of Christ that made people move across. I don't know if an angel would forcibly move a person across. I don't know if there was a name tag on the floor. But somehow, everybody ended up in one of two spots. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Now, the next part is the most amazing thing. It says, Jesus said these words, I was hungry, and what did you do? Can you stop just a minute? Jesus Christ on Judgment Day will look at someone. You that go to the homeless shelter. Who goes to the homeless shelter? They go down and feed every Thursday. Who's been going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up just a second. He works. He has a job. But he just takes a little bit of time. Pastor Joe will take people. His daughter will go. Other people will go. Pastor Mike, Pastor Sharon go. Just go down and feed people and talk to them about Christ a little bit. Maybe there's a poor person that's a beggar. Maybe it's someone you invite in your home for a meal. But Jesus said these words, When I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. We say, Pastor, come on now. There may be a kid at a ball game around America who needs water. Maybe when the Haitian disaster came, and they didn't have drinking water, and you gave some money, whether it was at the church or, you know, Caleb was, you know, just hit your cell phone and dial this number, and we'll put $10, and, and, and it puts a cup of water in somebody's hand. Can you see that Jesus is making the connection for these acts of kindness and compassion? Uh, and this is not undermining be- our belief in the truth now, that we're saved by faith in, in what Christ has done. It's simply saying that this is, what, this is what saved people do. This is the behavior of a true believer. This is a behavior of a new you type person. I was hungry and thirsty, you gave me a drink. A stranger, you invited me in your home. It's a pretty amazing thing Sandra Bullock did in the movie. It's a true story. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Hey, have you ever been to the lockup, the Boone County lockup? You ever been to a federal prison? Uh, Mike Castle works. He's a, he's a chaplain. Mike, wave everybody. Mike's a chaplain at the federal prison in town. Where's Joe Williams? Joe's not here this morning. Joe does jail ministry every Monday. And God says, I see these things. I watch you when you do that. I watch you when you send a letter. Now, Jesus said something pretty amazing here. The righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? Or stranger? Or naked? or clo- When did we ever see you sick and visit you? And Jesus the King will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least Of these you did it to me can I tell you Jesus makes an identity between himself and people that are in need of kindness and compassion and as I kind of wrap this up this morning I want to tell you there's something about this story I want you to grasp number one the first thing is there were there were uh, these people were in need of somebody to be compassionate and help them someone to be kind and the second thing I want you to know and this is probably the most gripping is that Jesus watched who helped them and he watched who ignored them. And I want to encourage you, friends, if you and I are acting as compassionate people as we are kind people, not only is it the right thing to do, but there's great reward one day. Give the Lord a big hand today. Let me wrap this up. Well, why why should I do this? Is it just for my reward? I mean, this is kind of costly. You know, being patient with people, it's a lot easier to fire someone. It's a lot easier to use people and step on them, you know, than, than than wait for them. It's a lot easier to cuss somebody out to get them in line than it is to be patient with them. Come on. It's a lot easier to hold the grudge than it is to forgive. Why should I treat people right? Well, first, my friend, it can be costly, and people will take advantage of you. It can be hurtful. They might not understand it. They may not like it. And it may not be reciprocal, meaning they may not treat you right when you have treated them right they may turn around and treat you wrong you may offer to give them something and when you put it out to give it to them they may put a gun in your hand or they may take a knife and say I want the rest of it too but I want to tell you my friends you and I treat people right because Jesus told us to I just stop just a minute what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible love the Lord with all your heart mind soul and strength what's the second great commandment love your neighbor as yourself can you say that one more time love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized the whole Bible. Galatians says you can summarize the whole law, the whole Old Testament is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I wonder, do you live by the golden rule? Do you teach it? It's in the Bible, that we're to do unto others, come on, as we want them to do unto us. See? It's the way we live the Christian life. There's unexpected opportunities to treat people right every day of your life. It could be in a classroom, in school, it could be today you go out to lunch how you treat the waitress there's unexpected opportunities every day and I'm gonna close with this last little video clip and I want you to take a peek it's about a diner and I want you to catch the dynamics of it hey hello new she some new kid well I know that what's her name what's it matter probably won't last out the week anyway some college kid huh nah husband left her I don't know this was supposed to be hash browns. <laughs> Those are hash browns? Table up fronts waiting for you, hon. Right. More coffee, please. <laughs> Don't tell me. Two number twos with hash browns? Sometimes when we least expect it, grace enters our world. What'd you do that for? In that moment. Cause. We have a clearer understanding of Jesus Christ. Hey, Helen, who's the new kid? She's not a kid. Named Sarah. Well, Lord. And you be done. nice to her, you'll answer to me. What fed kind into of her? Two questions, and then we'll pray and go home. What'd you do that for? Now, mind you, when she fell and dropped her stuff, everybody laughed at her. But when her little rival waitress was starting to fall, she caught her. Why'd you do that? Because. Well, maybe it was because the new you is living in me. Come on. Because I've left the old you behind. I'm not giving people what they deserve. I'm treating people with kindness, with compassion, and with forgiveness, with patience. I'm not holding offenses. I'm not holding grudges. I'm not getting even. I'm showing the love of Christ. I did it because. And the last question, what happened to her? Remember the old waitress there, you know? she changed what happened to her maybe the action of grace on the part of that one young woman was helping turn the old you into the new you in the older waitress because when you do treat people right it opens a door of grace where God can touch and change their heart give the Lord a big hand today he's an awesome God for the chance he gives us Won't you bow your heads Let's, let's pray this morning I wonder if you're here today and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning about you're not try- treating people the way you should. You've not treated people right in your life. Maybe you've been like a Pharisee and been using people. Maybe you've been judging people, very critical, talking down to them. Maybe you've not been patient. Maybe you've not been kind. Maybe you've not forgiven. Maybe you hold grudges. Maybe you're not honest. Maybe you don't show respect maybe you don't honor. Perhaps compassion is missing from your life. Kindness is missing. And the Holy Spirit has kind of nudged you in this message today. And you simply want to say, Lord, I get the message. Would you keep working on me and help me become that person you want me to be? Nobody looking around, but if that's you, and say, I I need to make some changes in the way I'm treating people. Just lift your hand. Nobody looking around. But you need to say yes to the Lord. I wonder if you're here today and You've been hurt by people, and it's really, it has defined your life. It's been hard for you to forgive. It's been hard for you to let go of an offense. It's been hard to be on the receiving end of the pain. And you need freedom. You need something where God helps you to let go of all those things of the past and turn them over to Christ. And let go of the people that have harmed you and hurt you very badly. And today is a day where you want to say, I- I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to hold the grudge. I'm not going to punish any longer. I'm going to let them go because I-, I want to be new. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick to the Lord so He knows and you know. Well, Lord, today, on behalf of all my friends today, first of all, we do want to forgive everyone that's hurt us, everyone that's taken advantage of us, lied to us, abused us, broken their word to us embarrassed us. A lot of tender people in the room today. I joined them today, and Lord, we just want to bless those that have taken advantage of us in any way. And Lord, for all of us that want to simply treat people better, would you just slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, I'm a work in progress today, and I want the Holy Spirit to deal with me ever so keenly and ever so sensitively, moment by moment, and show me the right way to treat people Show me every opportunity. If I'm at a bus stop and somebody drops their groceries, even if I'm not in a hurry, let me slow down. If I'm in a hurry, let me slow down and show kindness. If I'm the lady in the diner and people have just laughed at me, help me to be able to reach out to them in love. Lord, would you just anoint us so we can supernaturally love on people the way that you first loved us. In Jesus' name. Anybody said? it? Now, one last prayer before we go. By the way, now, I hope you're going to stay for the meal and uh, just kind of hang out with people and get your food in the cafe, go outside or stay inside. But if you want to become a part of our church, you want to get involved, get connected, you want to join the church right after uh, I dismiss, there's a little room right across the hall and there'll be staff there. Let me ask you this last question before we go today. And the question is this, what is the greatest act of kindness that anyone ever did for you? Now stop and think just a minute. Across your life, what is the most compassionate thing anyone ever did? I'll tell you, it happened on a cross like that 2,000 years ago where Jesus Christ knew you were coming and gave his life for you so you wouldn't have to have an eternity without him. It's the greatest thing anyone had ever done for you that offered you the forgiveness of sins. Could we just could we give the Lord a big hand for that just right now? And we just recognize it today that Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. See, He paid a price, a penalty for my sins. So when I stand before God one day, that Jesus Christ will have paid the price, the penalty for my sin, and I can go to heaven and not hell. But I want to ask you this question. Have you ever made a step to follow Christ? See, you can have religion in your head, but not be a Christian who's following Christ. I was that way for the first 19 years of my life. Mom made me go to church, but how many know going to church doesn't make you a Christian? Any more than going through a car wash makes you a car. Going to church kind of gets you in position to hear it, but you have to make that step to choose to follow Christ. You have to make a step to reach out to Him for forgiveness, for asking Him to take your life, giving Him charge and control of your life. He offers you in return the gift of eternal life. I wonder if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to get right with God before I go. I'd like prayer this morning before I leave. I want to commit my life to Christ. For some, it may be the first time you've ever made this step. For others, you might have gotten away from God, and today is a day you want to come back. doesn't matter what it is, but the bottom line, you don't want to leave here today until you've put Christ first, until you've settled the issue for eternity in your life. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me, I want to give my life to Jesus, and I'm not ashamed to tell people. Would you lift your hand real high? Let me pray for you. Do it quickly this morning. Who are you today? Anyone this morning, I want to lift my life to Christ. I want to turn it over to Him. Praise the Lord. All right, well, listen. Would you lift your hand, here? Is that you? Yeah. Give her a big hand. Did you lift your hand? Want to Make a connection to Christ? I'm sorry. I missed you as I was walking by. Come on up. Let somebody pray for you. Bring your friend with you. Listen, we're going to need a couple ladies just to meet them right over here. And uh, give them another big hand as they're coming today. God bless you. God bless both of you. God bless both of you today. She's going to pray with you in just, a, in just a second. I'm telling you, it's the best step you ever make in your life when you turn your heart towards him hey it was a great day today i hope you're going to join us for the spaghetti and pastor joe has the last word i love you and god bless you see you wednesday night it's a great word today right but the question is are you going to apply it to your life this week so let's all stand up and on three we're going to say each one reach one and that's what we're going to do this week for the lord okay on three. One, two, three. each one reach one remember the church staff at church on the rock loves you and believes in you